Welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter. I'm the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success eCourse. And this is my co-host. Yes, my name is Belinda Weaver. I am also a copywriter. I'm the founder of Copyright Matters and the Copywriting Masterclass. Today, this podcast is all about trust. When it comes to deciding on whether to do business with someone, trust is key. So if you can help your copywriting clients build trust and credibility with their audience, you're doing a great job. We've put together some top tips to help you write trustworthy copy, inspire confidence and convert readers into customers. So as we said, just as in human relationships, trust is important. It's also important in business, maybe even more so. The more you trust a business, the more you're likely to use its services and its products and recommend it to others. But how do you build that trust? Yeah, I mean, in the olden days of marketing, you know, when people could be sold cigarettes as a a healthy, healthy pastime, people just trusted businesses. Businesses just had this ingrained authority. But we've got loads more marketing being bombarded at us. We're way smarter about marketing and sales tactics. And so, logically, businesses have to work a lot harder to get our attention and keep it. So, you know, with most most marketing, we need to show customers that they can trust us. We do this for our own business as copywriters and, uh, and that begins with the copy. We also need to do it for our clients. Yeah, that's so true. Um, you know, I hadn't really kind of thought about that, but like, you know, even maybe 10 or so years ago, big brands just, they just had the trust of their audiences. But I think people have got a lot more cynical, um, and, and questioning, especially since the internet has kind of taken over. Um, you know, there are a lot, there are a lot more opportunities to criticize brands and to give feedback and to give reviews. And the power is more with the people. So as you said, it's even harder for, for brands to build up that trust. Ah, pull them, and we've got to help them do it. <laughs> so let's discuss a few tactics on how to bring trust into both our copy on our own websites for us little copywriters and when writing for our clients. Um, now, my first tip is a really boring one, and you're not going to like this one. It's proofread your copy. Snore. So boring. <laughs> but, I mean, look. It's an obvious quick way to inspire trust. You know, make sure that your copy is of the highest quality and that it's error free and there's no spelling mistakes or grammar errors. This doesn't just apply to website copies, but also emails, social media posts and kind of any writing that represents your business. Uh, So if you're writing for yourself or for a business, I mean, I really recommend using a proofreader to eliminate like those pesky errors that are impossible to spot in your own copy. I get everything I write proofread apart from my social media updates, which is why they are appallingly full of errors, uh, which, you know, obviously 
I'm not sure if it undermines trust, but it probably undermines my credibility a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you've got to do what you can do. It's really hard to spot your own errors, even when you've read something a hundred times, don't you think? Mm, I'm, a, I'm a brilliant autocorrector. I've never yeah. seen my own errors, and I tend to do my best proofreading on social media after I hit post. So oh. my posts are always edited like 10 times. I know, and it's mortifying because now Facebook shows the edit history. and oh, you can I know. Just- so I just sometimes just delete the thing and do it all over again because I, I, you're totally right. I have a horrible habit of just missing words out altogether or putting words in that don't need to be there. It's it's painful. Yeah, and, I read uh, it the next day and I'm like, oh, no. And, and by then, like, liked it. Yeah, totally. You know. <laughs> But I'm the same. I always use a proofreader for client-facing copy, definitely, um, and even my own blogs um, and email marketing and stuff like that. You know, like the emails I got that go out around my course, I get a proofreader to go over everything. Um, and you know, although I these little errors clip, you know, go through on social media and email marketing, I do kind of try. And you know, some tips that you can do is, I think, just take a moment. That's where I go wrong. I, I just go, <laughs> post, yeah. And then I go, oh, bugger. <laughs> so, you know, taking a moment, just reading things carefully, syllable by syllable, reading things aloud. Um, and if it's your own stuff, printing it out, um, reading it backwards is a tip that I heard once. But it's just kind of, you know, taking a bit of care. You can probably pick up most of the typos but yeah as Kate said you definitely get a proofreader for anything that's really important so the next thing you can do uh, as a trust building trick in your copywriting is be specific because being vague and general is not a good way to inspire trust this is definitely a copywriting technique Um, it's always better to deal in specifics so what I'm talking about is you know talk about 24-hour delivery because that's way stronger than fast delivery. Um, Ditching words like many, heaps, lots, some, most, oh my God, any of those kind of really vague generalities, get them um, out of your copy and try and be way, way more specific. Um, Like, you know, it's not most cats prefer whiskers, it's nine out of ten cats prefer whiskers. You know, that kind of showing results and evidence and being specific in the, in the amount of detail that you you have in your copy can really show what you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. Although I do think you can sometimes go too far. So, you know, I've seen a real trend, um, especially in blog posts and things, to kind of constantly drop the statistics. You know, 89.2% of people did this or whatever. And it sometimes just feels, you know, statistic mad. So, you know, I think percentages are to be used with caution, but I definitely like sort of, as you said, 24 hour, nine out of 10, more measurable, more real, more real specifics rather than like random, random percentages. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's also just anything that, um, feels a bit, just when I see words like most and lots and heaps and many, not that you use words like heaps in, in most business copy, but I'm like, that sounds like weasel words to me. Weasel words. I love heaps. I use heaps all the time. Oh, do you? <laughs> I yeah, probably but- do as well. 
Um, but no, so I think specific is really good. And I think that follows on to clarity. Um, uh, you know, making sure that you explain your processes and solutions as transparently as possible. So there's nothing to hide. So again, dealing in specifics. It takes us seven days to respond with your blah, blah, blah. We will get back to you in 10 hours, whatever that may be. But also, you know, making sure that your copy is clear. If readers don't understand you, how can they trust you? Um, so, you know, each sentence ideally should really only express one idea and each idea should only be expressed once. You know, don't ramble, don't repeat yourself, just be clear. Use short sentences and, you know, there's a huge push towards more plain English. A great tool that I use an awful lot is the Hemingway app and we'll include this in our show notes. It's so easy to just put your copy through the app and it will point out all your complicated sentences, all your long sentences, if you've used too many adverbs, if you've used the passive tense. But most importantly, I think it gives you a readability score. So it says to read this copy, you would need an average school age of blah, whatever it may be. And, you know, I'm not sure what the literacy rates are in your country, but I've, I've read that in Australia, you know, the average literacy rate is that of a year seven student. So I think that's only about 12 or 13. Um, now, that's not to say that everyone's educated to that age, but it means that when they're reading online particularly, that's as much as they can grasp. You know, they, 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 anything more complicated than that. And it's just going to be a bit of a harder get for them. So, yeah, using plain English, use the Hemingway app. Um, try and put the important information first. Cut to the chase. So, you know, make your point and then back your point up. But, you know, don't make your point halfway down the page in the middle of paragraph six. Um, deliver on your promise. We talk about this a lot in our podcast. But, you know, if you give a great headline that promises to give these five fantastic tips, make sure that you've given those five fantastic tips. Um, make sure that your content is relevant. So if someone's typed in a keyword, you've optimized your page for that keyword, and maybe it's like piglet piglet jumpers make sure when they get to the page the page is all about piglet jumpers and you know think about your audience we're always saying this but look at the language your audience uses it's kind of readability um but not quite you know you don't want to be going into jargon and acronyms but you know if there is a common phrasing in that particular industry you know maybe you're in the medical industry or you're in the i don't know the furniture removal industry and there's a particular term that's used it's fine to use it explain it as well for the uninitiated but you want to talk to people in their language and I think you know the key here is if you don't do those things that you just mentioned around clarity, you look like you're hiding something. You look like you're burying information, um, and they're just these. It might not be really obvious, but people pick up these kind of subconscious, subtle clues, and they sort of go, you know what? I just I don't feel good about them. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I write a lot of um, content for lawyers and, you know, professionals and, you know, they can often stray into that kind of using overly formal what they think is professional language and super long sentences. And they think that it, you know, sets them apart as an authority and, and you know, as I said, makes them look super professional. But all it does is confuse the reader and make them not feel good about 
that, you know, no one wants to feel dumb. Yeah, <laughs> no absolutely. Like they're not getting it. So if you, if, if the reaction somebody has to reading your content is that it makes them feel stupid, they're not going to kind of want to deal with you and they're not going to trust you necessarily. Uh, um, we're always talking about simple language, um, but simple and straightforward doesn't mean dumb. It just no. means clear. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we talked earlier about specifics and another great way of handling a specific is to give guarantees around your service offering. So, you know, an example of this is, you know, we'll respond to your email within 24 hours. You know, it's a simple promise. It sets expectation. If you then meet that promise, well, then you've already built trust. You've said you're going to do something and you've done it, which is how trust is built, I guess. Um, it's great for service industries and, you know, guarantees around how the service is going to be delivered is, is really powerful and it can be more powerful even than price, you know, especially if there is no difference in price and you're at a very similar level to your competitors. Well, then what can you give that they don't? You can give them guarantees around how great the service is going to be. And, um, you know, and examples here um, are things like, you know, you can lose 10 kilograms in your first week. Gosh, that sounds a lot, actually. Oh <laughs> that was your suggestion. That's because I was dreaming. <laughs> Wouldn't that be maybe, nice? Maybe one kilogram in your yeah. That's maybe if you have like your leg removed or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so right. Um, and we will be any published price. That's another classic one. You know, and o- often big stores in Australia, at least, will say, you know, if you can find this product cheaper anywhere else, we will uh, refund the difference. And what's that? What's that saying? Is if they're so confident about their prices that they can say that, well, then you can kind of trust that their prices are the lowest you're going to find. So you know, satisfaction guarantees, money back guarantees. They're, they're all they're all good. You just have to be careful about overusing them because they can become a little bit a bit tired. Do you agree? You've got to, you've got to stand by your word, even though even if customers are wrong. So you know. If you have a money back guarantee, but then you have about 15 caveats after it saying, but only if the month has an R in it and I don't know, you know, yeah, it exactly kind, of, right. kind of reduces the quality. Yeah. And because we're talking about guarantee blindness here where people see 100% satisfaction guaranteed so often that they don't even register it as anything meaningful. Um, and one of the tricks you can use, not really tricks, with techniques you can use as a copywriter is to just use different, um, you might be able to say, your satisfaction is guaranteed, but then go on to explain um, that this company absolutely believes in your satisfaction and they're going to stand by their word, which means if there's anything wrong and go on and so on and so forth. You can just use, you can use your words to make that guarantee have a bit more meaning by explaining it. But, you know, I've got a quote in my copywriting course from a chap called Peter Sandine and he's known as like a conversion specialist. And he says, if the best part of your product is that buyers can get their money back if they don't like it, you should come up with a new product. That is awesome. Which I really like. (laughs) That's so good. I love that. So... Next, another trust building technique is just being useful. It's it's kind of along the same lines of clarity. When you're not useful, you 
can look a bit dodgy. So we're talking about being insanely helpful, um, meeting and exceeding customer expectations, giving away free content that is really useful and valuable and relevant. This is the foundation of content marketing. It's what everyone should be doing. Um, you know, figuring out what people need, anticipating gaps in the content, actively and proactively trying to help people, making yourself um, almost... Uh, indispensable indispensable that's exactly the word that my brain was struggling to reach um and when you do that people will recommend you to others maybe if you can't help them you can recommend um, other people's services i know when i can't help a particular client i'm more than happy to recommend other copywriters who can and people initially might go what you you pass people to your competitors but this is just it comes back to your integrity and when you display your integrity by being insanely helpful I think that is a really good way of being transparent and trustworthy what do you think Kate yeah I agree I mean I think you know all of that is, is great I think that recommending others is is very powerful as well so I do the same you know if I'm not free I do recommend other copywriters but also I sometimes go out of my way to kind of head into forums and read posts and kind of you know go hey this person might be able to help you you know and and what it does is it it, sh- it shows that you're not holding on to your cards too tightly you know that you're you're open and you're honest and you're you're willing to you know help other people out and you know who doesn't want to work with that kind of person who doesn't want to trust that kind of um brand so yeah i really agree um we're talking a bit about tricks and techniques there and you know it's all very well and good to write the copy and to say you know we are this we are that you know we believe in this that and the other we have 24-hour delivery we guarantee this that and the other but I think it does get to a point where you saying that you're trustworthy or proving that you're trustworthy it's, it's almost like you can't do anymore so there are other ways that kind of you can reinforce it that don't require you to write anything at all. So one of the most powerful ways that you can do that is to use testimonials. And I don't know why people don't use them more. Word of mouth is hugely powerful. So, you know, I recommend something to Belinda and I say it's awesome. She's way more likely to buy it than if she just sees it in the shop. Although maybe not. I don't know. She doesn't think I've got particularly good taste. Oh, up. <laughs> I'm totally uh, <laughs> And even though you don't know the people in the testimonials, it can still be compelling especially if you you know make sure that your testimonials actually address some of those you know beliefs desires and fears uh, that your customers have before they head to your website so you know if people are worried that your your product is super expensive and they're not going to get a great return on investment but then they read a testimonial from somebody that says this product was gave me a great return on investment well then you've just covered that off without you having to say it um Face-to-face is great, don't get me wrong, but online is second best, you know, and you testimonials give you the opportunity to say things about your brand that you just couldn't say yourself because you just sound crazy arrogant, you know. I do think there comes a point where people think, um, are these testimonials made up? So I think it's really important to use full names, to link to websites or LinkedIn profiles, and to use photographs wherever possible so that you can actually back that testimonial up and people can see that it's actually a real person. 
Yeah, and we're going to deep dive into testimonials in the next pod. So if yeah. you're interested in testimonials, dear listeners, make sure you tune into that one. Um, but it's I'm amazed how many people sort of go, oh, yeah, we've got all these people say nice things about us, but we didn't want to put it on the website in case people didn't believe it. Like, yeah, what? I know. <laughs> because even if they are all positive, I mean, as you said, Kate, it's really good when you have people mention maybe a challenge or a barrier and stuff like that. Um, but even if it's good, there's this subconscious reading that goes, I believe this. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think there's a there's kind of a tipping point. I know that with my um, um, recipe for SEO success course, you know, when you first start out, you don't have any reviews. You know, there's nobody there to say that it's a great course because you've just launched it. Um, and then there's like a tipping point where you've got 10 people, but then people could go, but they could all just be her friends. And then you get to the point where you've got like 50, 60, 70, 100 reviews. And then it's like, you know, wow, you know, they couldn't even make up this many people. <laughs> it becomes yeah. more. And I think, you know, as well as testimonials, reviews and, and, you know, when you get five star reviews or whatever, that can be super powerful because visually you just sort of, that's something we're so used to seeing and it being, you know, really reinforcing our purchase decisions. So yeah, but you've got, you've got to ask for these things and you've got to use them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with another one. Um, as well as testimonials, I think another thing for copywriters on their own websites, but also for client sites that you're working on is to include, um, lists of clients they've worked with, you know, logos. Um, again, that's not the writing bit, but, uh, it's important because they can visually have more recognition than just a list of names. What that does is it kind of associates you with that brand. So if you've worked with, you know, one of the big banks and you have that that logo on your homepage, then people will go, well, hey, if Big Bank tr- trusted them, we can trust them too. Um, so I think that's a really important thing to do. Add to that samples. If you are a copywriter, obviously that can be samples of your copywriting work. But if you're you know, a kitchen fitter or a builder, it can be galleries of projects you've done. It can be floor plans. It can be videos of, of work that you've done or case studies. Um, so you know, there are many, many different ways you can approach it. Yeah, I think the case studies um, are kind of like a testimonial or review, like a level up. You know, yeah. with case studies, you can go into more detail, really dig into the challenges that people had, the solution that you provided, the results um, that happened as a result. I ended up writing a lot of case studies as a copywriter for clients. And when you create that kind of story, especially opening with a challenge, it helps people looking at it go, I've got exactly this concern and this person overcame that and look at the results they're getting. So, you know, and if, like you're saying, you know, if you don't have testimonials when you're starting, like when we both launched our courses, we didn't have any quotes, um, you can have things like that uh, with samples. You don't have any samples to display. Um, And we talked about this in, I think it was like podcast two, how to get copywriting clients. You can approach local businesses. You can create some free marketing in exchange for using the sample and getting a testimonial. Um, So that's a podcast worth flicking back to. But, you know, all these kind of things, it's all about showing your credentials, proving that you can do what it is you're saying you can do. Totally. And I think... 
An important part of it is recognition. So what customers want is they want to see themselves. They want to see that you have helped somebody just like them with their problems, their worries, their preconceived beliefs. So, you know, all of these different things we're talking about can really reinforce that. If I see somebody who's, you know, they're a similar age to me, they've got a similar problem, and then I can see a case study where they tackled that problem and what they did, that's going to really sell me into that product. But I mean, I think there are some times when you can do things that kind of destroy trust as well. Do you agree, Belinda? Mm, Yes, all your hard work comes crashing down like a house of cards. Yeah, it's kind of like anti-trust. So you you break the trust that you've created and they're really tempting that they totally need to be avoided. And I think one of the big ones that I see a lot is is hyperbole. I never know how to say that. Hyperbole? I never know how to say it either. (laughs) I'm saying with a bit of a question. Hyperbole? (laughs) And it, but let's call it exaggeration then. That's that sounds yeah. better. Um, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. So, you know, making outlandish claims. You know, I could say, for example, that hundreds of people have taken my recipe course. And you might go, well, mm, that's A, not specific. And it kind of, she's only doing it for a little while. So how could that be true? So it's more powerful to actually say 126 people have taken my e-course. You know, it's precise. It's not exaggerating. It's not such a big figure, but it's big enough. So you don't need to kind of go all out and, you know, get the capitals involved and the exclamation marks. Sometimes, you know, taking it down a notch can be way more powerful yeah we're talking about that great lovely buzzword of the of the year authenticity because (laughs) i know right but you know we see i think everyone's over those clickbait headlines um you won't believe what happened next it's a shocker well no it's not actually it's quite tedious and boring um (laughs) but you know you've got words like fastest best leading only a lot of companies like to use words like this and as a copywriter I would always be like well prove it yeah are you the fastest are you the leader you know you can't use phrases like that unless you can back it up and if you can prove it that's fantastic but that's that exaggeration it's it's tired and it just will crush the trust the one that I really hate is unique yeah, you, you know, do hate that, don't you? We're so special that no one else is like us. There is, there's a million companies that sell socks, just like your socks. You know, don't use it. It's not true. So I think you're right. Like, and also, it, if it's true, you can say it without saying it in, in many ways. You know what I mean? I think you can kind of get that message across without shouting it. It's like that humble person in the room who's, who's done something really cool, but they don't race in and scream about it straight away. They just kind of, it comes out in conversation and then you're kind of more impressed than you would have been if they were just showing off about it. So avoid showing off. <laughs> That's my point. So and, um, Another crusher, and this is where I'm going to stand up on my fo- on my soapbox here, is um, false scarcity. Now, it can come with a countdown clock, but I think countdown clocks can be okay. When countdown clocks, and that's, you know, like um, this webinar is happening in 10 hours, you know, yeah. that's not a bad thing, but it's when the false scarcity. And what I mean is that, you know, there's only two spots left and there's not. There's 10. Yeah, yeah. Or the one that I think we both have a little bit of rage on, Webinar oh my Jam. God. I'm this going there. So angry. <laughs> Webinar Jam. Webinar. We're calling you out. Yeah, because I bought, 
I subscribed to Webinar Jam because they had a very big discount on and there was a countdown clock and it said this discount's only going to be valid for another and it was like two hours and I was like, oh my God, I was thinking about doing webinars. I better buy it. And then I checked the next day, webinar, the countdown clock started again. Yeah, I did exactly the same thing. And, and you I, know, some- it made me hate them. It made me hate them. I mean, I must admit, I don't think the platform's that great anyway. I've actually moved on from it. I now use Zoom. Yeah. Zoom don't do that. Zoom don't need to do that because their platform's better. That's so- right. So, I mean, some people might hear that and go, yeah, but they got two sales. I was like, no, no, no. They got two sales for one year and then we actively cancelled our subscription and I constantly rage about this to everyone. We started a podcast where we're slagging them off a little bit. So that's what happens, people. That's the danger in creating some false scarcity trust toilet flushing noise and the same thing is about fake pricing and fake offers. It's just if you're lying, it's short-sighted. Yeah, and people see through it. Um, I mean, I must admit, I do have a countdown clock on the recipe course because it does actually start on a particular date. And after that, it doesn't run again for another three months. So it's kind of more like important than anything else. Yeah, that's right. I think they can be really effective. As long as they're real and as long as they're true. You know, like I think as well when people say things like limited offer time, you know, and then you see that that one's finished and then next week there's a brand new limited offer. Or uh, like you said, like we only accept an, an X amount of people into this class and then you turn up at the class and there's 20 times the amount of people that they said there would be. You know, all of it just leaves a nasty taste in your mouth. And, and I think it goes back to that great little quote that you had earlier about, you know, the money back guarantee. If you have to lie about stuff like this to get people to buy your product what does that say about your product yeah, you know take a good long look at yourself there totally um now this is a a, a final it's kind of a trusting but it's just a, a a kind of a caution so you know if you are offering guarantees and offers it's fine to have terms and conditions around those you know so for example we've said 24 hour delivery um but you don't want to and, and what then sometimes people do is have an asterisk after it then you go to the asterisk and it's like yeah well it's kind of not 24 hours it's only if you buy this product on a wednesday and you know the sun is at this position in the sky and and, you know, everything, you know, the, the, the planets have aligned. Then you get your 24 hours. And it's like, yeah. well, mm-hmm. what? Why did you say that? There's, I mean, for me, as soon as I see an asterisk after an offer, I'm like, it literally the asterisk is saying to me, this is not true. So, you know, 24 hour deliver asterisk. It's like, well, you've just kind of cut your own trust in half there because I know now that there's a gazillion terms and conditions that come with that. So, again, you know, pick your offers and guarantees carefully if there are a million provisos maybe that's not the best thing to push maybe that's not the best offer or guarantee to to put up there and you know and again even with your terms conditions um we we, we talked about this last week with uh with jackie and about how you know terms conditions are important but even your terms conditions need to have clarity and they need to be specific you know so don't make your terms conditions so complicated that people can't understand them and then you think well then they won't read them and it's all good because what really complicated terms conditions break down trust all over again so you know there you go um so there's lots of techniques we've given you there and and i you know I think it's so important, not just for your own copywriting business, but for the copy that you write for your clients to work on that trust, to be sincere, to provide proof uh, and clarity and not to lie. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Be trustworthy. 
But there are, you know, as, as we've gone through, we've kind of shown in this podcast, there are techniques that you can use in your copywriting to demonstrate that trustworthiness a lot more um, succinctly and and to much better results. So, you know, it, and the other point is if your client can't be trusted, you probably don't want to work with them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If you're really struggling to find proof points, well then, eek, it's probably not the best client to be writing for. But hey, I think that wraps it up. I think we've covered off some some good stuff there. We'll put a link to the that Hemingway app and a couple of good uh, blog posts uh, that kind of help will help reinforce some of these ideas. But I think we should finish up with a lovely review. What do you think, Belinda? Oh yes, of course. You you chose this one, Kate. Who have we got? I did. So this one is from the lovely Anne Mabus, who's copywriter. <sighs> that we both know mm-hmm. she works for um, she has a company called Clever Streak and this is what she said are you ready yep great discussion we should do accents and voices <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what Anne sounds like but maybe we should do accents next time anyway great discussion between two very talented copywriters each with a different point of view on the topic I enjoyed the podcast because I get to make up my own mind rather than being told what I should be doing that's interesting thanks Anne yeah, I've actually heard that a few times. People just noticing that sometimes we have a slightly different approach. I mean, we, we have the same results and, we, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I like the fact that we have maybe slightly different takes on things. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're both awesome in our different ways, but I think it's important not to be kind of didactic about what we're saying, you know, because although we've, we've, we've built up our own copywriting businesses, you know, we're, we're still on the journey. We're not, we haven't reached our destination. We're still learning. And, you know, we learn a lot from our peers and our listeners. So, yeah, I think it's good that we're a little bit, little bit humble and not too bossy. Um, <laughs> So thank you for your review, Anne. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a rating or review on iTunes and Stitcher. Do both. Why not? Your review will help others find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show and make you a meme. That's the best bit. Who doesn't want to be made into a meme? You can head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode or find us on social media on Twitter and Facebook on Google and all of that. So thank you, Belinda. Oh, thank you, Kate. Until next time, happy writing. But maybe yeah. we could we could always run a little little mastermind or something, I don't know. I think Griffin would be a good place to do something. Mm-hmm.